We are honored to support uh, and to host this Spoken Orphan Summit. It happens this next week, and in the back, uh, there's a table. Uh, Brooke Price will be back to afterwards. I encourage you to check that out. I love what he said. It's not that we think everybody should adopt, but we should all be advocates for adoption and foster care. We believe that here at East Point. Four of the staff members on staff either have adopted kids or adopted grandchildren, so it's a big deal. We'll open up to Genesis chapter 12. We'll get there in just a bit. Genesis, the 12th chapter, and uh, I'll find that in just a moment with you. But uh, I want to start with a, a little story. I uh, had a guy come to me not too long ago, and he told me that he was tired and bored with his life. And I've heard that before. My kids used to say they were bored, and I'd say, great, great, come here, I'll put you to work. But he said, I'm tired and bored. And in fact, he said, every day is the same old monotony. I feel like I'm treading water most of the time and not making any progress in my life. Now, I've heard that before. I might have expected to hear that from maybe a guy in midlife crisis or an older guy. But he was 27 years old, and that really shocked me. Now, of course, we've all felt that way at times, feeling like we've struggled uh, with boredom, that we're slugging through the muck of life, stale, uh, not feeling like there's anything exciting, emotionally exhausted. And for the record, I want to go on record from the get-go right now and tell you that's not the way it should be, especially for those of us who are Christ followers. We serve and follow, we're in relationship with the, the creative God of the universe, the, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, is our Lord and Master. He's the one we follow. And we should never experience a, a lifestyle of boredom. Here's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now I love the way that verse is translated in the voice. Here it is in John 10.10 10 for the voice. The thief approaches with malicious intent. Looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy, I came to give life with joy and abundance. Jesus has contra contrasted himself with the enemy, Satan, who came to rip us off, destroy our lives, to bring all sorts of malicious intent against us. He said, but I came to give you what? Life, and life to the max. Life to all those who follow me. Now, do you honestly think that Jesus ever had a day where he was bored? Think about it. Can you imagine, like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. This is just, life sucks. I mean, I could never hear, Je I could never see him doing that. No way. Why? Because he knew his mission. He knew his purpose. And here's a little bit of insight again. You and I are part of the greatest mission on the planet. More important than any business vision of any company on the planet, more important than any sports team, more important than anything else, you and I are on this mission with God. We represent him as we offer hope to a world desperate for hope, as we offer life to those who are cut in death. So here's the big idea today. And I pray with all my heart that you'll understand this and that you'll embrace it. Life is not always easy. Kind of get a little amen. Life is not always easy, but it is meant to be a daily adventure lived with purpose and joy. Life is not always easy. In fact, life is often hard. But it is meant to be a daily adventure. Live with purpose and joy. Now, you can reject that, or you can, you know, you can call me Looney Tunes, or you can accept that, and then you ask yourself one very important question. If your life is not an adventure, if you're bored and feeling empty and stale, then what can you change? What needs to happen? Well, I'm going to suggest today three things that will help, three things that I want to encourage you to do. And here's the first one. First, choose to take some godly risk. Choose to take some godly risk. In other words, choose to step out of your comfort zone and from that, that uh, place that you feel very secure and into the often unknown and undiscovered life of radical obedience to God. Got a friend, he posted something on Instagram today. I love the quote. Basically, this is what he said. That for us to move forward into the destiny that God has for us, we have to leave our security behind. So true. 
for us to move forward into what God wants, the adventure, the destiny that God has for us, 99.9% of the time, that means we've got to leave behind the security and the comfort zones that we're comfortable with, that we want to hang out with. Now, I am not saying, not for a second, that we need to be stupid, unwise, or foolish. I know some of the more conservative, you know, cautious people say, well, yeah, but you just can't go off half cocked. You can't go crazy. I know. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that to take a godly risk is when you know and you know that God is asking you to move forward, to step out of your comfort zone, to step in faith and to to step into a new realm as you trust in him. One of my great um, heroes of the faith, I love his story. It's found in Genesis. The guy's name is Abram, later changed to Abraham. And he models for us, in fact, multiple times, what it looks like to take, take huge risks in our pursuit of God. He's one. There are others. The Bible's full of this. You can go to Moses. You can go to Deborah. You can go to Esther. You can go to Peter. The Bible is full of examples. But I love this one early on in Genesis chapter 12. And it's a part of Abe's uh, journey. And it starts with uh, Abe's journey. starts with uh, Genesis chapter 12, this verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, to your, uh, from your people and your father's household, to a land that I will show you. There it is. Go and I'm going to take you someplace you've never been before. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's quite a promise. Verse 4, love this, so Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot went with him, that was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, in that day, 75 was not as old as it is today. And I'm much closer to that than I used to be. But 75 was pretty close to being middle age for, for people in Abram's time. But still, he had a comfortable life, a secure life. He lived with his family. He knew everything. He had everything he, he wanted. And God did one of these. Abe, come here. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And if you read the entirety of Abraham's story, you'll find that he's not always perfect. He's, he made plenty of mistakes. But when God spoke, Abraham listened. God said, go to the land that I will show you, and I love verse 4. Abraham went. He did it. I said last week that I'm convinced, and I absolutely am, that God has a unique and amazing plan for each and every one of us. And that means he has a unique and amazing plan for you. And it's always interesting to me when I say that, uh, some of the expressions of some of your faces, or some uh, conversations I had even after services last week. I know that we tend to immediately go through the yeah, but realm. Okay, I heard you say that God has a unique plan for my life. Yeah, but. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know, my, you don't know how broke. You don't know my, my past. You don't know my present. You don't know what. And I, there's a lot of excuses we put up. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible's clear about this. And over and over again, we see God saying to people, come here, I've got something for you. And the Bible, believe, the Bible teaches, and I believe with all my heart, that God has a unique and very amazing plan for you. Again, not the same as everyone. We're not all going to be President of the United States or, or, or whatever. It's not the same for everyone, but every one of us has a unique plan. And how do we get there? Well, it starts right here with what Abram did. We, we have to say yes. We have to say yes to God even when it's risky. And let's, again, be honest. Our tendency is to say what to God? Am I the only one? No, or not yet. My, it's, I'm, not, I'm smart enough now not to say no to God that often, but I'm really good at saying, well, maybe later. Not, I'm, not yet, I'm not ready yet, God, maybe sometime down the road. So we like to say not yet or no, but the, 
the adventure starts with saying yes to God. You know, we saw the Spokane, Spokane Orphan Summit video, and, and Jeff and Brooke Price are very, very involved with that. They lead the charge, and they're part of our church, been a part of our church for a long time. I love those guys. Love them dearly. There's a little bit of their story. They had two girls, two amazing girls. God spoke to them to adopt. They adopted a little boy named Danny. Uh, Native American, special needs boy. Had to go through a lot of hoops to get this little guy. Brought him into, adopted Danny, became a part of their family. That story's amazing. I'm not even doing it justice. Uh, like two years later, they adopted his brother, JT. And so they've got two girls. They adopt two little boys. And they obeyed God. They took some risks. They stepped out. Believe me, that was challenging. Both those little boys are special needs guys. Add to that, now recently, I just had lunch with Jeff this last week, and Jeff told me, uh, we just got recertified as foster parents. And I'm looking at him going, what? <laughs> you got four kids at home already, and two of them are adopted, and two of them are special needs, and you are going to take foster kids into your house? Why would anybody do that? Well, here's the answer. Because Jesus has asked them to. Because they value caring for the orphans and those without parents. And there is absolutely a risk in their obedience. Ask them. Of course there is. However. And here's the however. That's where they will experience the blessing of God in their lives. And that's where they will be a blessing to others. I get choked up every time I think about the impact that they are having on those two little boys. Rescuing them from God knows what. Bringing them into a godly, holy, healthy family. And those boys will be forever impacted because of the choice they made. They're a blessing to others. I want you to look again at the promise that God made to Abraham. It's verse 2. It says, God said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This is awesome. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. We know that nation now is Israel. But it says, but I will bless you. Abe, you say yes, you obey me. I'm going to bless you, but it doesn't stop there. I'll make your name great, and here's the deal. Here's the cool part. And you will be a blessing. I have never met a soul who doesn't want to be a blessing to others. Even the meanest old cuss on the planet wants to once in a while make a difference. And God says to Abe, you will be a blessing to others. Life in the adventure of following Jesus is not always easy. But that's where the abundant joy of being blessed and blessing others is experienced. That's where we experience what God wants for us and that's where we get to give away what God has given to from us to others. And it starts with choosing to take some godly risk. Here's the second thing you can experience. Second thing you need to do to experience the fresh adventure of following Jesus. Number two, choose to be a lifelong learner. Choose to be a lifelong learner. One of my mentors, Noel Campbell, who passed away some time ago, once told me when you stop learning, you stop growing. Isn't that good? Simple but true. When you stop learning, you stop growing. By the way, I'll speak to the high school and youth right now. You guys think you're going to finish school or high school or college someday and all your learning be over. I hope not. Trust me. It's a lifelong journey. Some of you, I'll talk to the old farts now. Some of you have been, you know, a long time since you've been in school and you have stopped learning. You're not experiencing growth, knowledge, understanding. When you stop learning, you stop growing. And Noah's a very wise man. But here's a collection of verses from another wise guy, another wise man named Solomon. And he talks about the blessings of being a lifelong learner. I'll punch through these pretty quickly. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Want to be wise? Listen and add to your learning. Proverbs 9.9, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Proverbs 13.20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Paul wrote Corinthians, 
you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Don't go there. Solomon said, you know, long before Paul ever wrote what he wrote, walk with the wise and become wise. Proverbs 18, 15, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. The wise listen. They add to their learning. Intelligent people are always ready to listen, to grow. You know, if there's anything I've learned in my 59 years in, on this planet, is that if you're not learning and not growing, then you're guaranteed to become stale and a crusty old fart. And I don't want to be that guy. I want to keep learning. Now I asked them to put the skinny filter and the tan filter on the screen today. Unfortunately, it didn't work. See, you can tell how bright my legs are, and obviously I'm not that skinny. I don't, you know, that stuff is just stuff. The physical body will change. But the fact of the matter is, I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. I want to keep becoming the man God wants me to be. Noel, I love this. Noel decided to learn to play the violin in his 70s. My mom is 80 years old, and she went back to school this year. I'm so stinking proud of her. I've got a buddy. His name's Tom. He's in his 60s, and he's got a long list of things that he wants to learn. You know, you remember the movie Bucket List? Some people have a bucket list of things they want to do, exciting adventures. Eh, nothing wrong with that. I love Tom's list. It's things he wants to learn. And some of you are thinking, well, why bother when you're 80? You know, you're 60. You're not that far from dying. Anyhow, so what, are you gonna, what good is it going to do? He wants to keep stretching his mind. Now, yes, your ability to absorb new things and facts might get more challenging with age. Do, do not ever <laughs> take for granted a young mind. I love the fact that they can just absorb and learn so quickly. It might change. Yes, you'll hit a certain age where the things you used to do might not be a good idea anymore. I have not played flag football in decades. And that's a really good thing because I would die if I tried. Yeah, there are things that change. I understand that. But to stay fresh, you got to stay fed. Write that down if you're taking notes. To stay fresh, you got to stay fed with new experiences and new knowledge. you got to stretch your mind. It's good to expand your knowledge. It's good to keep on growing. And I'm not talking about, you know, stupid things. I mean, just learning. Only an arrogant person says, well, I've learned everything about everything. I don't need to grow anymore. Seriously? The fact is, this is a fact. Ongoing growth and learning is the key, the key to becoming who God wants you to become and doing what God wants you to do. Let me say that again. Ongoing growth, mental growth especially, spiritual growth, Personal growth, ongoing growth is the key to you becoming the person God wants you to become and doing what God wants you to do. So how do you get there? Well, I'm going to punch through these real quick. Uh, this is a little extra, but I'm going to give you seven things you can do, seven ways that you can continue to grow. Some of you need to remember these. First, study the Word. Study the Word of God. Dig a well, not just a pothole. Pick it up. Read it. Study it. Get a study Bible. Study the Word. Number two, get and stay close to wise people. Solomon addressed that. You want to get smarter, wiser, hang out with wise people. If you're thinking, every time I go with that guy, we do something stupid. Stop going with that guy. Don't go there anymore. Love on him. Bring him to Jesus. That's one thing. But, man, wise people hang out with wise people. I want to hang out with people way smarter than me all the time. Number three, read. Roy Jr., my pastor from a thousand years ago, and he's going to be with Jesus now, used to say, readers lead and leaders read. Readers lead and leaders read. So true. Turn off the idiot box. Read. Pick up a book. Read. Number four, show up. You want to grow and learn? Here's a radical idea. Show up. Show up at church. Show up in life classes. Show up in small groups. Show up at Bible study. Show up at places that you're going to get fed and learn new things. Number five, listen to solid and inspiring teachers of the Word. Listen. 
You know, people say, well, where do you get fed? You preach all the time. What? Man, you know, I read like crazy, but I listen all the time. I got three guys that I can't get enough of them. Andy Stanley, Rick Warren, and Bill Hybels. I listen to those guys. I got a stack of CDs. I listen to these guys all the time. And when I get a really good one, I kind of put a mark on a star, and I put it aside, and I go back. Some of them I've listened to three or four times. I get inspired. We mentioned the Leadership Summit. I'm not just giving a plug for this because we're doing it here. I'm telling you, you want to stretch your brain for two days, show up at the Leadership Summit. I promise you, you'll go home with, your, with a brain ache because you've been stretched and filled so much. Listen. Number six, take private lessons to learn something or go back to school. You've always wanted to play the tuba. Take private lessons. Maybe not the tuba. Maybe the, I keep threatening to learn the bagpipes. I love the bagpipes. My neighbors will not love me, but I love the bagpipes. Learn something new. Do what Noel Campbell did. Pick up something new in your 70s. Why not? Take private lessons. Go back to school. My mom, she's not, she doesn't worry about the grades or anything like that. She's, not, she's auditing the classes. So what? Just go learn. And then the seventh thing, here's real important. You want to be a, a learner? Be a teacher to others. You want to learn? Then find two, three, four, five, ten people that are maybe an inch behind you in the journey. Just, they don't know quite as much as you do, but you know a little bit more than they do, and you can teach them. One of the best ways we learn is we, we teach. We, we give away what God's given to us. What are you learning right now? What did you learn this last week? What new thing have you stretched yourself and are you experiencing? Choose to be a lifelong learner, and that's where you'll find new adventures, I promise you. Well, there's one more very... Uh, important thing I want to cover, and it's critical to living the fresh and abundant life. And to set that up, I want you to watch this video. I love Dennis the Menace. What a great movie. But it illustrates some things I want to talk about, unpack for you. And here's the third thing today. Choose to be childlike. Choose to be childlike. I'm not saying be childish, but childlike. Childlike. The Apostle Paul, in this famous love chapter, wrote these simple but profound words in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. I'm not encouraging you or wanting you to be immature or childish. But I do think we need to be childlike. And listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 1 to 3. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is then the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? These guys, multiple times they asked this question, who's going to be number one? Who's the greatest? Jesus, I want to be right next to you. I want to be the top dog right under you. And they came, Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I got to see Jesus, maybe a little frustrated, maybe with a, oh, man, you guys are dense, but come here. And he calls a little kid to himself. Verse 2, he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Jesus said, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then change and become like little kids. One of the things that he's pointing out here is to be childlike means that we don't jockey for uh, position or status. We stop striving to be the top dog. Children are humble of heart. And rather than arrogant and proud, they just accept life for what it is and their lot for what it is. Be childlike. Don't be humble. I mean, don't be arrogant, but be humble. Jesus is also demonstrating for them that to become childlike means to live with simple joy. i got to figure he picked a kid who's probably a happy kid. I don't think he, he, he would have picked a grumpy guy. He probably picked a kid who was like bouncing around and throwing rocks and having a great time. This last uh, Sunday, a week ago today, was gorgeous, as you know. 
And I took my grandson, Caleb, came over to spend the afternoon with us, and I took him for a walk. His most favorite thing to do on the planet right now is to walk on the railroad tracks with Grandpa. Yes, I know it's private property. Yes, I know it's probably not the smartest idea. It's Sunday. It's a track that nobody, there's no train on. But he loves to do that. And I'm taking him for this walk on the railroad tracks, and in the minute I say, hey, want to go for a, before I get the word walk out, walk on the train track. Yes, let's go. And we, he picks up sticks, and he chucks everything. He picks up. Uh, rocks. He, he's he, he's he'll puddle, and he'll give me kind of a look like, "Is it okay?" And I, yeah, whatever. I'm a grandpa, and he jumps in the puddles, and and we came across a dead marmot. Before we got there, he says, "Grandpa, what's that smell?" I go, "I don't smell anything. My smeller's half dead." What's that smell? And he goes, "I don't know, but that makes my tummy scared." Well, it was a dead marmot on the the, the railroad tracks, but we had a blast. He's got a little camera that we got him because he loves taking pictures. Got a little digital camera that he has, and he's taking pictures, and I'm taking pictures of him, taking pictures of me. We had a blast. In fact, I got a picture of Caleb. Here he is on the road tracks, just to give it. Look at that kid. <laughs> Simple joy. That's what Jesus wants for us. He wants for us just to live with that joy. What else is Jesus teaching them through this child? Well, he's reminding them that becoming childlike means having trust and faith in the Father. We lean into him and rely on him for everything just like a child would do so with a good mom or dad. Just lean into the Father. That's what he wants for us. And one last part of being childlike that I want to highlight, and we saw it on that video, it's the nature of children to hunger and thirst for life and knowledge. I counted at least 14 times Dennis asked, asked Mr. Wilson a question. 14 times. Is that pirate gold? Is that real valuable? Is that why you keep it in a safe? Why does your safe look like a book? What's the combination? I mean, I laugh when he said, well, I've only been around five years. I've, still, I've got a lot I, I, I don't know. And that's the heart of a child. They just are inquisitive. I want to go on record and say, I've only been around for 59 years, and there's a lot I don't know, but there's still a lot of life in me, and I want to grow. I want to encourage you to be the same. How do we stay fresh? What does it take to live the abundant life of adventure Jesus has for us? We take some godly risks and step out in faith. We are lifelong learners. And we make the choice to be childlike, to live with wonder again. And here's why this is so important for us, guys. Two things I want you to, to understand, and I'll finish this up. One is it's important because God does have a unique and amazing plan and destiny for each of you. Every one of you, God has a plan for your life. And the way we discover it is this is the path. We have to live there. That's why it's important. Because what you do matters. God has a plan and a destiny for you. The other reason why it matters is because here's what I know from first-hand experience. When I understand the, the sense of destiny, when I know that God has called me to something and I know how unqualified I am, how amazingly beyond me it is, how I am, you know, not just knee-deep or neck-deep, but I'm, you know, underwater with, oh, God, if you don't show up, I'm not going to, there's no way I'll get there. When I realize the destiny and plan God has for me and I'm stepping out and taking the risks that he wants me to take, man, I tell you, that's when I keep my nose clean. That's when I'm desperate. That's when I, I don't let a lot of sin rumble around in my soul because, man, God, I need you. If I want to get there, if I want to do this, I want to stay just like you. And I want to stay pliable and flexible. And I want to stay holy. I want to walk with you, God. And I want to know everything you have. And I don't want anything about me and my stupidity to get in the way of what you want to do. It's when we realize how desperately we need God that we actually live the lives he meant for us to live. Bye, guys. Let me pray for you. Father, I know, um, I just feel like there's so much more that I want to say to help us 
wrap our hearts and minds around the challenge of staying fresh and living the adventure. There's so much, Lord, that we just, we don't understand about your call and your purpose for us. And so, Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, please go way beyond me today, way beyond my words, way beyond even the scripture verses. Holy Spirit, inside of each heart of mind and soul where you, where you live, would you just speak to them right now and show them where they've said perhaps no to you. Show them where they've resisted you, where they haven't been like Abram who stepped out and said, I'll, I'll go, I'll follow. Show them, Lord, where they've perhaps grown stale and, and uh, they've stopped learning and where they've just kind of put life on cruise control and, boy, show them, God, that's not your plan for them at all. And then, Lord, I ask you, I, I pray that you would just work in each of our hearts right now to give us that, that wonder, that joy of a child who is thrilled with life, hunger, hungry for life, the heart of a child, Lord, that you, that you honor, the humble, adventuresome, learning heart of a child. Give us that heart right now. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower, you haven't even started the journey. And every week, we give people opportunity to say yes, because that's why we're here. That's why we exist. It's to point people to Jesus, to life in Christ, to the purpose and the destiny that, that he has for them. And it starts, the first yes is you saying, yes, God, yes, I want to surrender my life to you. Yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I will turn my back on my old ways, and I will surrender my life to follow you into the new. Yes, I need your grace and your mercy. And if you're here today, and that's what you want. You're ready to say yes to God. Then would you just make this simple prayer yours right now? Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. I, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he lives for me. I get it. And so right now I'm choosing to follow you, to surrender my life to you. Here's my heart, God. Here's my mind. Here's my life. Here's my past, my present, my future. Here's, here's everything. Here's my all. I give it to you. Because I get, I understand, I see that you gave your all for me, Jesus. And so from this point on, right here, right now, I'm a Christ follower. I've, I'm yours. I want to grow and follow you, Jesus, from here into eternity. Now, if that's you, and that's the prayer that you want, just in your own way, say, yep, God. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's my heart. The Bible says the instant, the moment you say yes to him, that's where you begin that journey. Lord, thank you for those watching online or those in this room right now that are making that decision, that choice, to say yes to you. Lead them into the adventure of being a Christ follower. I pray it in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask you to finish uh, with me today by doing something very childlike. Not childish but childlike. And I know it's a little unusual, but I, I want to lead you through a very simple song that for a lot of us, uh, we learned when we were kids. It's called Jesus Loves Me. This I know. And I, I know a lot of us, we grew up in church. We've been singing that song. We've known it for a thousand years. Some of you, maybe you've heard it before. I was watching The Voice a month or so ago, and Brian, one of the worship guys that was on there trying to get on The Voice, sang this amazing uh, rendition of Jesus Loves Me. It was awesome. And man, I think you could hear a pin drop in that room at that point. This is a simple song that expresses a simple awareness. Jesus, you love me. You love me. And I want you to finish 
by singing this with me. I'm going to leave. Heather's going to help me. We're just going to sing this song. Sing it out loud. Let's worship with this song right now. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Sing it out. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the he who died. Jesus loves me. He who died. Heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come. Now sing it out. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Thank you. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. A simple song, a simple truth. And I hope you'll leave here today more committed to being a child of God. Sometimes some of us, and I've been walking with Jesus for 40 plus years, and we think we know so much. The truth, man, I know this much, and I want to be hungry. A child that's thirsty for God, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And the cool thing is Jesus said those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, guess what? They'll be filled. He'll meet them there. Today, if you begin your life as Christ's follower, uh, on the tables, by the doors, it's a white envelope, it says for new believers on it. And it's got a Bible, some material you start in your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. If you need prayer, prayer to me, be down front. Communion's always available on both sides of the room. But I pray for you. I pray that you'll go here, leaving here today, walk in the adventure of following Jesus. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. See you next week.